You're listening to the Crossroads Grace Podcast, a podcast of Crossroads Grace Community Church. To learn more about our gathering times and ways you can get involved, check out our website at crossroadsgrace.org. Hey Crossroads, so glad that you're with us here today. My name is Pastor Brian Hunt and I am the lead pastor here. And our mission, so you know, is to lead people to discover Jesus and follow him fully. We want to help you take whatever your next step is towards him. And we're here to help you any way that we can. Thanks for joining us today, Crossroads Online. And gosh, it is so good to have you here. Don't forget to connect with those chat hosts throughout the service as they're there to help you any way that you might need. And all throughout the series, we're asking you to do something, to to grab your Bibles, to open them up with us and to dive into God's word together. And I'm going to be in a few spots this week in the Bible, but I'd love for you to specifically join me in Genesis chapter 3. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. Chat host right now, please put the link in the chat for that if you would. And and as you do that, I want to remind you that we are getting ready to launch all of our service offerings on March 18th and 21st. That's right, we are going to be back into all of our pre-COVID services, including all of our kids' programming. That means that our kids will soon have all of our classrooms open from babies all the way to sixth grade. And to help us with this, to get our classrooms ready, we've been doing all kinds of things and to, as far as safety procedures and everything, but we need you too. I mean, you might not know it, but church is a tag team sport. It means that we're in this together. We couldn't do it without each other each and every weekend. We have amazing tag team volunteers in that serve each and every week. And if you currently are serving, man, great. Thank you so much. We cannot do it without you. And if you're not, or perhaps you took a little break during this COVID craziness of the year, man, I understand. But listen, I think it's time. It's time to jump back in. Um, and, and guys, you can visit crossroadsgrace.org slash tag team to be able to sign up. You can even click on this QR code that's right next to me. And we want you to be a part of what's happening. And honestly, we're doing our best to keep everybody safe, though, too. We're all wearing masks. We're practicing social distancing. Our kids team has come up with really creative ways to engage and keep our kids safe, including hula hoops. So, so take a few minutes, click on the link, download that, 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 uh, that, that, uh, that code right next to me. And our chat hosts are going to help you get plugged in. They're going to be able to answer any questions that you might have. But we want you to dive in right now. We want to live on mission by using our God-given gifts to help those people that are far from Jesus. So sign up today. Don't wait. Join us in this movement of living a life on mission for Jesus and knowing that we're going to help people to discover Jesus and follow him fully. Because beginning March 18th, it's time. It's time for us to be back up and running and full steam ahead. So fill out that that form. Join a tag team. Be part of what's happening here at Crossroads because it's time and we want you to be part of it. Now, to get an idea of what this means, I've invited a very special young man to join us here today to talk a little bit about his experience and why he continues to serve each and every week. So I'm going to invite Nico out. Let's all welcome Nico, right, for the comfort of your own home. Welcome, Nico. Nico, glad that you're here. Good um, to be here. So, Nico, here's what I want you to do. Tell us about yourself. Who are you? How old are you? And what do you, what do, you do for fun? And well, my name's Nico. I'm 15 years old. Um, I go to East Union High School here in Manteca, and I play football and serve in kids ministry. That's awesome. 15-year-old Nico, like rocking, serving. You know, how, so how long have you been serving for? Um, around five years. Okay. How, how did you get involved? 
um, one day, me and my mom, we just felt like it was time to jump in and just start serving. Yeah, so you and your mom serve. In fact, your whole family serves, right? Everybody's got a part of yeah. it. So it's so cool. Now, now tell us, like, what do you do? Like, who, who, do you, who do you serve? How do you teach the kids? What do you do? Well, I serve pretty much anywhere. And right now, I'm serving first through fourth grade, or I think it's second through fourth grade. Okay. And sometimes I'll serve in pre-K, kindergarten. It just, it, wherever they need me. And it's just one of those things where I'm fortunate enough to help out wherever they need me and be able to experience all of the yeah. experiences. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, you're a football player. You're a busy young man. You're 15. You got all this. So why have you chosen to, to serve? What is it about serving that gets you excited? Well, it's just one of those things where I really enjoy being able to come and serve every single Sunday, sometimes Thursday, yeah. and be able to see some kids I get to see every single week, and I have that relationship with because I've known them for a while through yeah. serving. And then there's also where I get to meet new people, like new kids that come, and then get them excited to start coming every week and get me excited to come every yeah. week and see them and build that connection over time. Yeah. Well, I know my son personally loves Nico, like loves it when Nico's in his class. And so if you can, you can imagine Easton and Nico together, like it's super cool. So just this love, the fact that you're just loving on these kids so well. Um, and, and maybe you can explain a little bit, because I'm sure there's some people that's like, well, like, do you have a Bible college degree? Like, do you study the Bible every day? Like, how do they get you ready to serve? Not at all. Um, weekly, you get um, like a little planner and it has everything you'll be doing will it'll give you suggestions on prayers um tell you what to do with the games it, just simple send like things you could ask each kid like even if you're don't know what to say or what to ask your like the kids you're helping with yeah. it helps you with every little thing and it just makes it so easy yeah so it, it, you're able to be equipped and they're telling you exactly what exactly you need to know. yeah that's awesome um, so, so let me ask you this question. So if there's somebody like, maybe like you, like a 15-year-old, or, or maybe somebody else that's out there, why in the world should they want to serve? What's, the, what, what's awesome about it? It's just, like I said earlier, you get to build those connections, and you get to come weekly or every other week, whatever you choose, and yeah. it's just you get to build those relationships over time. I remember kids that I've served back when they were two, three years old, and they're going into first grade. Like, yeah. you just get to see them grow over time, and it's just, it, it, it it almost becomes like family. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So guys, listen, 15-year-old Nico, just rocking it, serving. We want you to be part of that same, ex that same adventure that is joining our kids' team. And so you can click on that link. You can, you can download that QR code and get involved. And I know I speak for Nico when he's saying, man, he wants everybody to be a part of it because it is transformational, not just for the kids, but it transforms you too. Like it, it, makes, it makes you grow with Jesus also. So get involved, be a part of it. It is time to be able to be part of it. So hey, Nico, thanks so much. I appreciate you being here today, buddy. Keep it up, man. We love you, man. Good job. Good job. Um, guys, Nico, come on. That's fantastic. Well, well, well today, listen, we're going to continue in our series. It's called Essential. Uh, and, and we've been asking ourselves, what are the essentials in our faith as Christians? In other words, what are the things that are non-negotiable to have in our life as we follow Jesus fully? And for those that are joining us that might not believe in God, maybe you're a little skeptical about this whole thing, I am so glad that you're with us. I'm so glad that you're here. Our hope is that perhaps you can start to ask some, some, some questions too. Questions about why Christians do some of the things that they do. Like why do they read their Bible or give to a church or even sing songs in worship? Because I could see where that might seem a little odd sometimes. 
But what I hope is that if you ask those questions, that you might honestly be open to the answers to them too. And as you find those answers, I pray that you can see how powerful that they can be in your life too. Because as we said last week, the heart of why these things are essential is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. He's our Savior. He's our Lord and Savior, sent from heaven to earth to save us from our sins, to bring us back to God. And as followers of Jesus, we want our lives to mirror his life, which means that we want to love what he loves and do what he does and see how he sees and care about those that he cares about. And the reason for this is that Jesus told us to do that as his followers. Matthew chapter 28, we get to see clearly what Jesus says. He says that therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Which, which this means that part of teaching what Jesus commanded is doing what Jesus showed us that we should do that is essential. Which might be completely different from what you've grown up hearing. Because a lot of people grow up hearing that the reason that you're supposed to do something is because the Bible said so. You ever heard that? Or, or maybe you've had, you know, because your mom or your dad or your grandpa or your priest or whoever just said, you just do it because I told you to do it. There was this sense of requirement without context that just demanded our obedience. But what I love about Jesus is that he never said anything like that. In fact, Jesus was much more of the approach of, hey, come and follow me instead of do what I say. So I want you to think about this. This actually means that when it comes to the essentials, it means that, that looking at what Jesus did will tell us what we should do. Man, read that again. Looking at what Jesus did will tell us what we should do. So, so with this in mind, last week we started off the series by seeing how the Bible was essential to being a Christian. Not by saying, because the Bible told me so, or because the Bible says so, but because of what Jesus said about the Bible. And although that we might think that the Bible is the most essential part, which it is, and it's huge, the most important part is actually reading and doing what it says. Which, why last week we really summed it up, that, that we said that we don't read the Bible, we let the Bible read us. That's what it's about. When, when we let the Bible read us, we realize that God is speaking to us through the Bible. And as he does, he will correct and he'll convict and he'll challenge us to take our next steps with him. Which actually means we must do something with what we read. We must. That is the heart of Taggart, the Taggart philosophy here at Crossroads. It's why I tell you all the time, I, I tag you each week when you leave here to go and do something with what you've experienced or you've heard or you know about God or what he wants you to do. Maybe for you, Crossroads Online, if, if you're somewhere where you're not near Manteca, you're not able to physically be with us, maybe your Taggart moment is to jump in and be a chat host with us, to get involved. And so, so lots of Taggart moments for you. So, so we know the Bible is essential, but, but what else is there that's essential? What else should we see as critical to our next steps with him? Well, today I want us to look at an essential that we shy away from because of the awkwardness that it can cause inside us. You ever been at that table? Ever asked to just whip up a prayer sometime? Right? I think we all have kind of maybe felt that. But, but listen, as we talk about prayer today, I, I want you to know, like, I get it. I mean, I can understand how seeing prayer as essential can be sweat-inducing, you know, a sweat-inducing concept to a lot of people. 
But, but what do most people think about prayer, actually? You know, I mean, I asked my friends on social media this very question. And in just a few minutes, man, that post just blew up. I got all kinds of, of answers to what prayer was all about. I asked them what prayer meant to them. And some said it was powerful or it was comfort, lifeline, connection, important, everything, talking with God, direction, peace, amazing a privilege. But then there were some people that said it was necessary and vital and essential. Now, now these right here, these are, those are passionate words. You, you might expect these kind of words to be associated with food and water and, and shelter and, and, and your Netflix subscription. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. But, 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 to, but to think of prayer as, as vital or as essential... Like that, that's intense right there. But, but why pray? Why would prayer be considered essential to being a Christian? I mean, after all, doesn't every religion have some version of prayer within it? They have things like meditation or trances or sweat lodges. There's all kinds of things that are meant to connect you to a, to a higher power. But what you might not know is that these things that I just listed a second ago, they're actually not considered essential to their faith because connection with the higher power or God is not the ultimate goal. Nearly every other world religion is about finding your inner self or, or in some cases actually denying that you actually exist altogether, which really makes the prayer life of a Christian completely different because when Christians pray, we are connecting with the God, the creator, the sustainer of the universe. And, and as King Solomon said in, in his temple dedication um, back in 1 Kings, he says, Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below. So as Christians, we are, we are praying to the God, not the false gods of the world, but the one God of the universe who we should love and revere and desire to follow in all that we do. But that still doesn't answer why Christians view prayer as essential. I mean, how do we get to the place, as author Henry Nouwen once said, that, that, that prayer is not a pious decoration of life, but the breath of human existence? Like, that, that's intense. Honestly, I know it took me a while to actually see prayer the right way. Honestly, I mean... I actually remember a time when I was younger back in South Dakota. Uh, it, it was when, if you remember, when, when Co the Coca-Cola company, they had this contest for people uh, to win prizes, but they had like a unique approach to how you found out if you won or not. And what they did was that in order to find out if you won the prize, you had to drink the can of pop and then you looked in the bottom of the can to see if you've won. Because they printed the words on the bottom of the can inside the can. Does, does anybody else remember this right now? Do you remember like the bottom of the can? Well, well, I remember that one of the prizes was a brand new car. It's like a Trans Am or some craziness. So like it was a brand new car. And about that time, I, I heard this verse in Sunday school. It was a verse that said this. It said, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
Now, what I did is, as I conveniently just forgot this part, you know, like I just kind of like forget all that part and focus on the, the beginning part. You know, anybody else ever done that? Anyone else edited God's word to say what you want it to, to think or feel or do, you know, like, well, well I, I, I did. And so what I thought is, is, well, well, maybe if I ask for this car in Jesus name, he'll just give it to me. So, so, so. I don't know, I'm crazy, right? So, so literally for 30 minutes, I prayed around this can. You know, I prayed around the can. I laid hands on the can. I, 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 I reasoned with God on what I, why I should get this. I looked intently into the side of the can to try to will the car label to the bottom of the can. I mean, I went for it. And I am so proud to say that when I finally looked in the bottom of that can, I totally lost. <laughs> I didn't get anything, you know. But, but isn't that what we think prayer is sometimes? We think of it as this like genie in a bottle moment where if we rub the, rub the right way and pray the right way, then all of a sudden God's going to pop out. He's going to give us all this stuff. But, but then when it doesn't happen, we're all kinds of bent out of shape because we think that God didn't come through for me exactly how he wanted, that exactly how I wanted him to. And so what do we do? We stop praying all together, all together. But, but before we walk away, let, let's try to put some handles on what prayer really is. I, I love what the author Dallas Willard actually, he summarized it so well. He says that prayer is the conversing and communicating with God. It's conversing and communicating with God. So if, if this is the case, then wouldn't it make sense to find out where prayer came from like when was the first time that God communicated with man you see before we give up on prayer or keep thinking that it's a genie in the bottle let's take a walk together to see how prayer really came to be and and when we look at when we look at that first time it's very very telling The, the first words uttered between God and his creation occurs in Genesis 3 uh, this is after God had made all of creation. He had made all, he had made man, he had made woman. He had rested on the seventh day, right? It's, it, it's right after Adam and Eve had sinned though. They'd eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And after that happened, we see God come to connect with Adam and Eve as he always had done before. Genesis chapter three, look at verse eight. It says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. So the first conversation that we see between God and Adam and Eve is immediately after God confronts them on their sin. Now, the second interaction we find is actually between, God, between Cain and God in Genesis chapter 4, if you just flip over one page. And, and who is Cain, you might ask? And that's a good question. Well, Adam and Eve, they had two boys. They named them Cain and Abel. And in a jealous rage, Cain killed his brother Abel over whose sacrifice was more honoring to God. But before Cain kills Abel, God tries to redirect him. Look at verse 4. It says that, why are you angry, God says? Why is your face so downcast? If you do what is right, you will not be accepted. If, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? 
But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord God said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? So, so if we step back really from both of these interactions, we see two things. First is that notice that God initiates the conversation, which shows that he is pursuing us and desires to know us. Even though he knew that Adam and Eve and Cain had sinned, he still, he still came to them. That's a huge aspect of prayer that we so often overlook. It's the reality that God desires to know us. That God desires us to know him. He wants to know us. He wants to communicate with us even when we mess up. He's not hiding in fact, what we can see with Adam and Eve is that God was anticipating walking in the garden with them. It was a delight to be with them. So he, he's pursuing us. But, but secondly, both of these interactions with God start with a very similar position. God is questioning why they did what they did. Why are you here? Why are you angry? Where is your brother? It, isn't it sad that the responses from Adam and Eve and Cain were, were excuses to cover up their guilt? They said, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Am I my brother's keeper? And what these questions and these responses tell us is that even though God initiated the conversation, it came from a broken heart. It came from God looking at the pinnacle of his creation and wondering, why are they doing things that pull themselves farther from me? That, that tearing apart from God is called sin. And the sin that was beginning to spread in the world, it altered the relationship with God. God knew the relationship between him and his creation would have to be different when sin came into the picture. There were no more daily walks in the garden because there now was a separation between them. So that's why we get to read in Genesis 4, 26, these powerful words that says, at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. Look at that for a moment. That people began to call on the name of the Lord. What is that? It's prayer. It's prayer. We began to pray Prayer became the conduit to God. And from that moment on, we see prayer everywhere in the Bible. Prayer is where, God, where David cries out to God in Psalm 86. In Psalm 86, we read where it says, uh, where it says this in Psalm 86. It says, hear me, oh, hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I'm poor and needy. Guard my life, for I'm faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy when I am in distress. I call to you because you answer me. 
Prayer is what uh, we read, what Hannah uses to express the joy of, of being a mother and being, the gift, being given the gift of a son. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, it says, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Prayer is even, the li- is even in the life of Jesus. Again, just like the Bible, if Jesus cared about it, we should care about it. So we see in Luke where he tells us that, but, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed, it says. He prayed after, being, after selecting his 12 disciples. It says that, um, it says one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to what? To, to pray and he spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them. He also taught the disciples to pray. Luke chapter 6 verse 9. It says this then is how you should pray. And he prayed when it came time for his crucifixion. Through prayer we hear the anguish of Jesus as he cries up to God hours before this gruesome crucifixion. And he says my father if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it may your will be done. Prayer is where Jesus pleads for mercy and forgiveness for those as he's on the cross for the very men that are murdering him. In Luke 24, where it says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Prayer is what Jesus used in the middle of being torn from the Father by, being, by taking on all of our sin on, that blo- on his blood-stained shoulders when he cries out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in prayer is what Jesus uses to announce that the mission of the, of, of the cross was over when he says, it is finished. Jesus prayed. So throughout the Bible, prayer was, was and not just an add-on feature like window tint on a new car. It was and still is essential. And prayer fits beautifully with our reading of the Bible too because as we read the Bible there becomes this deep prompting to reach out to God as we do it as we read the Bible we want to tell him how amazing he is to ask questions about what we read to cry out to him when we when we come face to face with our sin to thank him for Jesus but we also know that there are moments when we just need him we just need to talk to him about what we're going through and how we're doing and all those things. And the the Bible tells us the power that is found in prayer. John tells us uh, to to pray pray for things in confidence that that God hears us. In John 5, 14, we get to read that this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Paul tells us that in prayer, we can find joy no matter what we're going through. 1 Thessalonians tells us, rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Paul would also say that prayer is what brings us down out of the clouds of anxiety and worry when we seek God in prayer in Philippians 4. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? I mean prayer is amazing. And I could tell you that I have prayed more 
in the last 12 months than I might have in all of my years combined. And as leadership of this church, we have prayed. As a staff, we have prayed. Guys, my kneecaps look like camel's knees. They are so calloused over. But here's the deal. I am absolutely embarrassed at that. I am actually horrified with myself. And the reason is because I don't do that all the time. Why is it that it takes a global pandemic that threatens my health and my family and my church and my livelihood and my future for me to get on my knees and seek God's face? I'm embarrassed that as your pastor, I have such little faith sometimes. But I'm guessing I'm not alone. I'm I'm pretty sure that there are others that don't do that either. And and here's what I mean. As Christians, I believe we inherently know that we're supposed to pray. I mean, I, I really don't think that when I got up here just a few moments ago and said, hey, prayer is essential, that anyone is like, what? Like, what the, what, what, what is this prayer that you speak of? Nobody said that. I think that all of us Deep down know that prayer, communicating, connecting with God is a huge part of knowing who God is and following him. But I want you to really think about this too. That prayer can be both essential and elusive at the same time. And and here's what I mean by that. We know that we should pray, but yet it is still elusive to us. Because so many of us won't pray until life hits the fan. Until we're left with no other options but to pray. Because when when things get intense in life, we have no problem running to God. No problem. It's, It's almost natural. In November 1914, there was a memorial service that was held at St. Matthias Church for a fallen soldier in Devon, England. And a speaker read from a letter of an unnamed chaplain serving on the front lines of the battle. And the chaplain said this. He said, tell the territorials and soldiers at home that they must know God before they come to the front if they would face what lies before them. We have no atheists in the trenches. Men are not ashamed to say that, though they never prayed before. They pray now with all their hearts. I think many of us are like those soldiers. That we wait until we're in the battle to pray. We wait until the bullets are whistling over our heads to even start to pray. But prayer is so much more than a a Hail Mary prayer in the middle of the battle. Guys, think about this. Prayer is our first line of offense, not our last line of defense. It should be as natural as us and, and as frequent as breathing. That means that we should breathe in, dear God, and breathe out, amen. Breathe in, dear God. Breathe out, amen. 
God is telling us over and over that despite what we have done to him, he wants us to come to him. It is as one of those my social media followers said is that prayer is the umbilical cord to Christ. Without it, there is no nourishment. Prayer is essential to stay connected with our Savior. But just like last week, I want to make sure that you don't walk away with this without a plan of attack on how you can, how you can settle into prayer this week and maybe make prayer more essential in your life. And for some, prayer is daunting. I mean, you feel embarrassed that you might say the wrong thing. You might be awkward that you're talking to yourself or you're just confused on how do I do it? And man, I get it. I mean, I don't want you to feel like that guy from the Moonbase 8 clip at all. I mean, let, so, so we just want to help a little bit. So in the, in the last few moments, I just want to give you just a simple way to pray, really a guide so that you know how you can approach prayer. And it, it's called chat I mean, you have a chat host right now, but it's called chat. And I, I really like the, the relaxed nature that even just talking about as a chat comes with because it, it allows ourselves to be ourselves as we pray. So let me just walk through these and exactly what chat stands for. You might want to write these down. C stands for confess. That as you open up, you just confess what's on your heart, like areas that you've, you've missed and maybe areas that you wish you hadn't done and sin that's in your life. You just, you just confess to God. And then H is that what you want to do after H is you want to honor God. That you confess to God, but you want to honor him for who he is and how amazing he is and what Jesus has done for you. And just this might be a chance where you read some scripture as you pray. And then A is as ask God. God wants us to approach him, wants us to ask him. So, so ask him, ask what's on your heart. Ask him what your desires are. Make sure that you're filtering them through a, a godly lens, but ask him. He wants you to ask. And then T is this, is T is to thank God. To give thanks to God for all that he's done. The fact that he gave you Jesus. The fact that he loves you despite what you've gone through. He wants you to chat with him, to confess, to honor, to ask, and just to be thankful to it. Guys, just remember that, that, that prayer is our first line of offense, not our last line of defense. I, I, I can't tell you how much prayer has meant to me in my life, my family, my kids, my ministry. But, it, but it's only matters because of Jesus. That only matters, that, that only because of him do the words I cry out to God matter at all. Because it was on that cross 2,000 years ago when Jesus prayed, it is finished. And when he said that, he was saying that for my sin, my shame in my life, for your sin, your shame in your life, and that even when he was nailed to the cross, guys, he was thinking of you. He was thinking of me. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12, 2, says, for the joy set before him, he endures, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So if Jesus loved me that much, I know I would do anything to connect with him as much as I could. Guys, the prayer and prayer is the way that we get to do that. Prayer is how we connect with our Jesus during the, the, the ups and the downs of life. And that we can hear from him so that we can know how we get through this whole thing. All because why? Because we, we are his joy. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. 
which means that he is suffering and dying on the cross. In his mind's eye, he sees you and he sees me in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the sorrow. He saw us and he loved us enough for that. So my prayer for us as we prepare our hearts for communion now is that we would allow Jesus to have a conversation with us and that we would respond to him. We would give him our life. We would give him our love and we would receive his grace because he did all that for you and for me. Prayer is essential to stay connected with the Father, with the Son, with the Spirit. Never lose sight of that. Let's pray as though we know God hears us. Let's pray right now. Father God, I just lift up this time right now as we prepare our hearts for communion. I ask that you would be with my friends around the country, around the world as they hear this message, that this wouldn't be the only time that they have a conversation with you, but that they would have a constant daily conversation with you, that as they breathe in, dear God, they would exhale amen and then over and over throughout their whole life. But God, the only reason it matters is because your son Jesus died on the cross for our sins in our place. That as he prayed, it is finished. He was screaming to, to Satan that he too is finished. Because he has defeated death. He has defeated pain. And our eternity is secure in him. For those that claim the name of Jesus, there's nothing to fear. And so Father, I pray right now that you would do a work in homes across the country, around the world. That you would work in coffee shops and couches and chairs and dining room tables or drives to work, Father, that you would work and that we would be, have this deep desire to connect with you through prayer because of Jesus, what you've done on the cross. Might we remember you well now, Jesus, through communion. Help us to secure ourselves with you. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us this week on the Crossroads Grace podcast. If you enjoyed this message, please rate us and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. If you are interested in getting involved in our community or want to find out more information, visit us online at crossroadsgrace.org. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Grace podcast.